0: I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio versus the Martians. Yeah, so I did. I did my top ten list for this year, and you know, as we just said, the Green Knight ended up uh, in my, in my top spot. But in, I was surprised that uh, in my top five, also that Ridley Scott's The Last Duel ended up there too. So that's two medieval stories uh, done for adult audiences that should not have existed, but did in the year oh. 2021 and i'm so happy about it
1: and last new also has one of uh the most punchable characters <laughs> yeah. um and you can pick which one because there's a lot of punchability to go around <laughs> in that movie but i would say matt damon's character was the most unpleasant that uh ben affleck is having a fucking blast in that movie yes he's basically playing a, a an r-rated sexy like Philandering version of Disney's Prince John (laughs) from the Robin Hood cartoon. (laughs) Uh, he is such a piece of shit, but whenever he talks shit about Matt Damon, everything he says is true. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, huh? that guy is a, a scowling, uh, joyless piece of shit. And uh, that movie is is pretty fucking great. Uh, Jodie Comer is amazing in that movie.
0: Oh, she've she's got to she's got to show you the terror of what it's like living with this person, and then of course also having protect potentially being burned alive yeah for wanting to i don't know get justice
1: yeah because your husband has to fight for your ostensibly your honor but really just his ego (laughs) because he's just oh my god that dude is just chewing on every fucking grudge (laughs) and way that he's been slighted in his life and it's just like can you imagine having that guy as your next door neighbor (laughs) it would just be a fucking nightmare he would be the worst person if you are a server at like the Olive Garden or the Cheesecake Factory (laughs) it's like this came out cold and I know this is about blah 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 and you're out to get me and I want to he wants to talk to your fucking manager I think that I think the
0: haircut also sold it too because it was it's definitely a mullet it's a it's a bowl cut in front long in back and then his face is all scarred up and crazy because obviously that's the only thing he's good at is He's good. not even—he's not even that good at it. But the only thing that he is good at is Warren, you know, doing battle. And he just like—he just—he looks awful.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, that movie was great. Um, I was just thinking about you know what was my my top ten, and I actually did a really strange thing, is that once movie theaters started opening up again, I started keeping a list of of the movies that were like my favorite of the year and of course my top movie of the year was the green Knight*. Mm-hmm. but number two was really fucking strange it was titan uh, oh, yeah. julia yeah. du um, body horror movie which was both weirdly one of the most fucked up things i've ever seen but also like the most wholesome movie of the year <laughs> Are you are you familiar at all with titan uh, tabaya
2: no i don't think i've even heard of it
1: Okay, so it's a it's a French language movie that I think you could sum it up saying it's about a female serial killer who becomes pregnant after having sex with a car (laughs) and then is on the lam and living in disguise as the ostensibly the missing kid of uh, a local fire chief who's held out the hope that his son might come back to him one day. But now she's pretending to be her his son, 10 years older, in disguise. And he's just making a conscious decision to love and take care of her, even though it's clear this is not his son. And it is and
2: Is this a weird. farce, or is this serious?
1: It's like magical reality and fairly serious. And, and body ho- horror. And
2: horror movie, yeah. Wow. Yes.
1: It is fucking crazy. It was my number two movie of 2021. The uh, it's the there was a
0: this was a great year for movies this was a um and maybe it was because the uh, the pandemic the, the the pandemic sort of pushed out or pushed away a lot of the the stuff I mean Marvel released four movies this year or whatever so that didn't change
1: well there were there were fewer blockbusters so it a lot felt like once like July is when the movie theater started opening up again suddenly things like the Green Knight like Pig which was my number three movie yeah, on the list that was my number two they were getting a wider theatrical release than I ever would have imagined in this era where it feels like nowadays, if you want to see a movie and it's not like say Spider-Man, no way home, then you really have to know when it comes out and see it in the lone week that it's in theaters. And you have to like make a, you have to burn way more calories to see a smaller movie. Like I saw, um, number four on my list, come on, come on, the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Um, I had to see that because that was in theaters for a week. Wow. That yeah. two weeks... I mean, it feels like... I remember...
0: Um, Especially for an Oscar bait movie, if this were 10 years ago, that would have been played for like a month on either end of the, end of the year, right? Absolutely. And yeah. it,
1: it just seems like... I think Spider-Man came out in like november and it's still in theaters right now right right and even that's kind of rare oh my god that fucking movie i kind of i kind of liked it's higher on my list Uh, than i would have thought but it's way it's higher than the other marvel movies that i saw did
0: you see that or has uh, a fear of being infected prevented you from going to the theater to see it
2: uh let's say that yes uh, a fear (laughs) of uh the uh the current pandemic situation has kept me largely out of the movie theater yeah. And I did not see Spider-Man in the theater, but I have seen it.
1: Okay. Okay. Nice. We're not going to ask you no. anything that's incriminating at this we, point.
0: We know that Tobiah can travel to the future. since we've established this before, it's totally
1: fine. <laughs> Spoilers. It's still bad. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, no. Everything
2: is awful forever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy the Spider-Man movie. Um, it's largely on par with the other Spider-Man movies of recent vintage. So it's, It's fine. It's not the best. It's probably a B plus or an A minus, depending on how much you like Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man, so I give them all A pluses, even (laughs) if they're not the best movies. I'm going to say, I'm a
1: big Spider-Man guy, too. And this one felt more like a Spider-Man movie than the last couple did, except for maybe like Spider-Verse, which I think is fucking brilliant. I had a really hard time. It's weird how Spider-Man
2: has become the multiverse character for Marvel. Yeah. Why? I mean, Spider-Man, the street level guy who beats up men in rhino costumes (laughs) is the one who also like travels the multiverse and saves it from existential threats to reality. Like, how did that become a thing?
0: I went through it. I, I don't know what the reason why I think I partially saw through the eyes of my eight year old for whom all of the nostalgia stuff just didn't plan for him, because it's not like he... Because
1: it came out before he was yeah, born. And they
0: all came out before he was born. He hasn't really oh my, seen those movies. Oh my all that shit God. didn't make any sense.
1: I just realized that even Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movies came out before he was born. Of course, and
0: he's seen the first one of those.
1: I, I
0: thought... At the time, where I was like, I really would like to go back and watch Into the Spider-Verse again, despite the fact that I've probably seen Into the Spider-Verse like 30 times at still this great. point, um, uh, where I felt like, felt like oh, th- this, this best- did really well, so that's what we're going to do with the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man, and I'm like, well, that's a little cheap, and it is cheap, because it's getting all the, you know, all those teary-eyed moments, because I remember that Spider-Man,
1: I remember that <laughs> Doc Hawk, <Ock. laughs> But it still felt a lot more earned than a lot of that, because at least- It was there to build up a theme and a feel and an emotional arc. You know, there's a, you know, when they're talking about, you know, that stuff, it isn't just reminding you of stuff in other Spider-Man movies. There's actually more of a purpose there. And I kind of like the idea this movie has of the hero trying to save everybody, which is something that almost never happens, that Spider-Man is somebody who always puts himself it's like emotionally and morally responsible for everything. And he is going to make it work. And it's again, the biggest Spider-Man story of them all, which is told a thousand times, which is that Peter Parker must make a terrific sacrifice so that Spider-Man can win and that everyone can be safe. Right. Right. And I think they did a great job with that. And, and it didn't feel as crowded as a lot of other movies because you can just skip a bunch of origin stories (laughs) and it's a chance to see Willem Dafoe acting like a fucking crazy man that
2: was was oh my my god he was so good
1: (laughs) the best Willem Dafoe thing and I think this is right up there with Willem Dafoe cackling with tiny teeth (laughs) Is there's a scene where Tom Holland's Spider-Man is like perched on him and is punching him in the face over and over and he's just looking up and not even flinching and he has this crazy ass Willem Dafoe (laughs) (laughs) smile And I'm just like, oh my god, I don't want to fight Willem Dafoe. (laughs) That was a he's like uh, now he's on the list of actors I'd be terrified to fight up there with John Goodman and Daniel Day Lewis.
2: That's (laughs) Daniel Day Lewis. I don't care what the list of that's just a wonderful list to be on. (laughs) Any list that has John Goodman, Willem Dafoe, and Daniel Day Lewis on it is a list that I want to be a part of. <laughs>
1: uh. But man, Willem Dafoe got to use his face all over that movie and I I just going to say I want Willem Dafoe in every movie. Yeah, I we we have to think of uh, thank like the the
0: causality gods that Willem Dafoe wasn't smothered as a child or something, and that for basically our entire lives we've been able to have movies with Willem Dafoe in it. I didn't I didn't not realize it until this last year that Willem Dafoe is my favorite actor of all time, and that says a lot more about me, I think, than it does about him. <laughs> he's great in everything. I mean, he's just can... a weird like a weirdo. He's like he's a sex symbol. He is a guy who can play. Um, you know, like Mississippi burning who can play the straightest straight character ever and be totally compelling and can be the weirdest fucking crazy weirdo and be the most bizarre part of any movie.
1: And strangely wholesome. Yeah. Like he is in, was it the life aquatic with Steve? Right. Zissou? <laughs> that scene where he like slaps a uh, Luke Wilson and Luke Wilson slaps him back. And he just looks like he's going to cry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Or any of the memes from Spider-Man that he's had, like, he's just so fucking great i mean he's great in in uh, streets of fire and i mean even when you have a movie that is a lighthouse even if you
0: have a movie like aquaman where you know there's just lots of shit going on in front of your face you're like i'm glad you're here with me willem that you were to hold my hand (laughs) through this through this part of this movie that otherwise i would just get numb to
1: yeah this was a great year i mean there's a lot of movies i saw in theaters that i think part of it was you know they reactivated my movie movie uh, subscription thing. Oh yeah, where yeah. I pay twenty dollars a month, and I have used that more this year to see things in theaters than any year in my entire life. I I saw so many things, and and I think a lot of times I only ever ended up seeing the big blockbusters after. I literally had the problem for the first time in my life of looking at movie times and going I think I've seen everything <laughs> I, That's I mean awesome. like That's everything really cool. except for like Paw Patrol which I didn't <laughs> see but I mean I saw Licorice Pizza which uh, has a dynamite Bradley Cooper performance I'm, I'm
0: jealous it was the I, I'm in the opposite where uh, you know maybe once in a couple of months I can go see Spider-Man with my kid or whatever I'm at the mercy of whatever's playing at the, lo- the local neighborhood small theater that has four screens that and never inevitably two or three out of four of them are like a disney movie um so i have to catch everything on streaming so i want to talk to you like to with mike about things and then i've got to wait you know like two months before we can say anything about it um licorice pizza probably would have been on my top 10 i know that i'm going to love it number five on my list yeah i know that i'm gonna love it i just haven't been able to see it's it.
1: fucking great and it also has again bradley Cooper as. You know, producer John Peters, who I primarily knew from a story that Kevin Smith told on a DVD. Oh, right. That one. That's John Peters. He was known as the producer of the Superman movie he was hired to write. And I've got to say his portrayal in Licorice Pizza is dead on to the version that Kevin Smith tells including a line where he tells the the lead actor in the movie you know I like you because we're both from the streets and I was led away from thinking wait a minute that line I was like either Either Paul Thomas Anderson is referencing a Kevin Smith DVD, (laughs) or this is something John Peters says to everybody, (laughs) and I could believe either one.
0: Something about Kenneth Branagh as a giant mechanical spider with a penis?
1: I don't know. I don't know. John Peters is a fucking lunatic. That's all I know. Every story I've I've looked up about this guy is consistent on that front. Uh. But. There's been even the blockbusters. Things like No Time to Die and and Dune were
0: really good. Yeah, that was we. Mike, you and I saw Dune together at the, in the IMAX screen. Uh it was a movie that I I love it when loud movies can be good. Loud movies. That's a great. Big, loud, fucking movie.
1: It's a Denny Villeneuve blockbuster, yeah. and it's a different kind of blockbuster. I'm sure um, so
0: many Star Wars fans
1: were pissed off by that movie. Oh, no. I, oh, I just, you know, whatever. Oscar
0: Isaac's here. You know, I've got. We've got. We've got uh, Aquaman's in this. We've got. It's Josh that, Brolin. We
1: got Thanos in this. I'm sure they thought they were going I'm to gonna, a Marvel movie. I'm gonna call this Blade Runner disappointment because <laughs> it's literally Blade Runner disappointment. Right. Because that's apparently why people were not happy with the original Blade Runner because they saw. Harrison Ford with a gun, right? And right. they thought this is going to be like Han Solo, and it yeah. just wasn't.
0: Yeah. And uh, kudos to a movie that just that just said, for one, he just said, "Fuck it." Uh, even if I'm not going to make part two, I'm not going to try to cram these this whole story into three hours. He's not going to make the same mistake that David Lynch was forced to make. Um, and then also he was like, well, I'm not this is not going to be a Lord of the Rings clone or a Star Wars clone or something. It's not going to bow to that. It's going to be something that is more of a straight adaptation of the sort that I had in my head when I was a teenager. And you're like, well, that doesn't happen anymore. We're filming well, the last he, time I heard. He, oh, go ahead. Tamaya.
2: He He did exactly what Peter Jackson didn't, which is that he put everything in that movie that needed to be there and nothing that didn't. And Peter Jackson put everything into the Lord of the Rings that needed to be there and like 50 things that do not ever <laughs> oh. need to be anywhere.
1: Oh, we definitely, if we do one on the Peter Jackson trilogy, we're definitely having you on. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> But man, I I just gotta say, there's been some great movie theater experiences, and also because I'm terrified of being infected at any moment, um, the one the beautiful thing about the app that I have for this subscription service is I can look at the floor pan in which seats are taken. I on four different occasions tried to see Spider Man and and pulled the plug, um, where I'm like, okay, can I have seats on all sides of me? Two you know, two seats on all front, back, right, left, right. And if I can't get that, I wasn't going in. And yeah, four different attempts. I've canceled watching Spider Man. I that's determination. Mike. I wanted to see Spider Man by the end. I have. N- I don't think you should ever be this frustrated with Spider Man unless you're a bank robber. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's I-
2: like. I have the exact same rule. You know, I use uh, Fandango and it lets you pick your seat and I check. And if there's more than about four other people in the theater, I do not go. So unfortunately I haven't seen a lot of movies this year in the theater. Thankfully I did buy a big fuck all TV this year. And so I have <laughs> oh. had the opportunity to see a lot of things on something resembling uh, a large screen. Um,
0: i like the Burrito, i like you i think a big fuck I, I all think, tv is, is a good way to describe it oh <laughs> yeah yeah of course but, but
2: there are a
1: couple things that are really great in theaters and sometimes when it's not a marvel movie you are in there with maybe nine people and there's something kind of nice about that movie theater experience um yeah. i saw some great movies with great performances spencer the princess die movie was really good S-
2: still on my list for sure uh
1: The French Dispatch
2: is number one on my list for this year. I
1: love that one. French Dispatch is...
0: I think you described it as like the most Wes Anderson that Wes Anderson can Wes Anderson, and it's true, but it also is like an anthology movie, and it's wholesome, and it's got so much detail, density and detail. um, It's like watching
1: a New Yorker cartoon gain sentience.
0: And and the fucking (laughs) Jeffrey Wright performance
1: is just out of the park why is he not narrating every movie (laughs) just i want to see him just sitting down like rod serling smoking a cigarette and explain things to me in a suit (laughs) (laughs) that guy is fucking great but um there's an animated sequence in that movie involving a wrestler which is one of the largest (laughs) i have laughed all year yeah it is so
0: fucking bunker no i mean i I, I, what i've got to love about like a french dispatch is a great i said it with the last duel i love movies for grown-ups and there is a sub there's one of the stories in west in the in french dispatches about an artist whose muse is one of the guards at the prison and you're just seeing him paint her nude because he's 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 in love with her and she's She's never going to return his love in the same way, but um, it's about it's it's about a relationship between two people and it's a sexual relationship Um, and the and they don't bother to gloss over it and it's fine and it doesn't make the movie Shrinking Violet clutch pearls oh my god um i would let my eight-year-old watch this movie it's also the most
1: beautiful way i've ever seen an artist fuck over a groom of of collectors and and, (laughs) and rich guys who want to own his art yeah that's pretty awesome
2: benicio del toro in that role is brilliantly weird
0: oh he's so buried it's uh, it's so awesome he's so good at being he could be that like that like a violent hustling kind of fast talking guy for every movie. And he is so subsumed in this weird character. This was his an Abraham Rosenthal. Is that what his name is? Abraham Rosenthal. It's so, Something so like awesome. That, yeah.
1: Is that movie have the best cast ever? It's, it's got like across a the board. It Very well.
0: might. amazing cast.
1: It's like everyone, show, even if they show up for 10 minutes, you can tell everyone got the phone call. What Wes Anderson movie. I'm on board. There's a, there's like
0: the scene where there's a Bob Balaban and the Fonz are in it, and they they have like three lines among them, and you're like, they just got these two guys that come here on this day. <laughs>
1: it's wonderful, it's great, and it's everyone's so great. giving their all. Yeah. Um, one movie, and I was I think earlier in the year I was downright evangelical about this movie. Um, is malignant oh yeah. Malin- yeah it's on hbo max right now and it is a fucking experience
0: i'm glad they i'm glad they kept it on hbo max because they I, they might have taken it off for a yeah, little I think bit it, of time it was but... there
1: to coincide with the release but i think right. there's a point where they want to sell dvds and blu-rays yeah. for a little while
0: no, it's definitely the one that, of course, no one, no one except for horror hounds probably saw it in the theater. And if you, if you can stomach, uh, Tabai, you mentioned it before about being a pandemic year, and there are just some ways that you don't want to end up feeling in a movie. I can imagine that people will not watch want to watch many casual horror movies if you're not already a horror fan but my god this one Malignant is so <laughs> fucking weird it does not, you you don't you don't know what movie you're watching and just wait every 10 minutes the movie will change yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it does i mean it is essentially A feature length version of a movie inside of a movie. You know, you're watching 30 Rock and they're watching a fake movie. What if they made that movie and it's a horror movie? Uh, It has this kind of weird camp artifice about it that is entirely intentional because James Wan, the director, has made really good movies. And it's interesting because it feels like. I think this is his best movie, to be honest. I've seen three or four of his other
0: movies and I think this is his best one simply because horror. The, the, his idea of doing horror movies was sort of like doing competent, standard sort of horror stuff. Yeah. He's, and this is a yeah. spoof and a, a spoof of horror movies. But and, also a love letter to uh, sort yeah. of
1: late, sort of that early to mid 90s um, direct to VHS, right. like grindy, fucking weird horror movies. Yeah. It's so, okay. So it starts out feeling like you're watching Akira, and then it becomes an evil imaginary friend movie. Then it's a serial killer hunt movie. Then it's like a ghost movie. And then it might be a slasher film. And like I said, every 10 minutes, it seems to jump from one to the other. And then when it reveals what it really is, it's fucking bonkers. And it's way stupider and way more amazing than you could have ever imagined. Uh, it, goes there when, when it basically turns into like horror movie john wick for a brief moment it's kind of the antidote
0: to uh we've had uh kit to forge on here before who is sort of allergic to the certain kind of i guess you'd call them a24 horror where it's more atmospheric and sort of less about the formula whereas this one is all about the dumb fun formula this is
1: delightful it's- gleeful trash yes yep and it just, it wallows in how lowbrow it is. But it's like, what if we made a trashy direct-to-VHS movie but gave it a $100 million budget? <laughs> and it's it feels like the culmination of James Wan making an Aquaman that made a billion dollars and then making a Fast and Furious movie that made a billion dollars. And he's got this clout and this is what he cashes it in for. And it just made me go, I could absolutely be this guy's friend <laughs> if this is what he cashed it in for.
0: Uh, I'll put in a small pitch for um, a movie that I don't think you saw tw- the 20th century. No. You didn't see the 20th century? No. A small Canadian movie uh, that is about... It's a fictional story about... All I can say, it's a fictional story. It feels like a... Who's the guy who does the fucking... All the American history... Oh, you're um, talking about
1: Ken Burns? Not
0: Ken Burns. The, uh, the author who does... Does all of the great presidents' bi- uh, biographies? What's his fucking name? This guy. He writes about the Brooklyn Bridge. He writes about Einstein. Not not Isaacson. The other one. Anyways, I was gonna say Isaacson. It's uh, it's it's like at first you think that it's about a turn of the century, turn of the 20th century Canadian prime minister who's not there yet. But what it is actually is a um, it's like a cross between a Fritz Lang German impressionistic horror movie. And a David Lynch movie and oh. an absurdist comedy rolled underneath a biopic of a real Canadian prime minister. What? Yes. But okay, I'm on board. <laughs> it's it's it is weird. It is. It has a lot of in- Canadian in jokes that I just didn't get, but I can sort of see around the edges. And every step that it takes into the uh into the arena of I'm gonna do something even more weird and even more ridiculous. It plays it the character is absolutely straight i love the idea that there are just gender swapped actors and characters all over the movie and it doesn't fucking matter it just wants to go balls to the wall weird uh never lets go and ends in a (laughs) ends in a ice skating competition between quebec and the rest of canada for who is going to have supremacy over the culture whether it be love or hate and exploitation it ends in a an, <laughs> in a hockey competition. It's fucking fantastic.
1: Oh, my God. I don't even... see If you were just making shit up, are you fucking with me right now? Oh, my God. There's only gosh. one way to know. But there's just... This is a great fucking movie. Yeah. A great year for movies it's great 2021. Year for movies. It's
2: a great year for I movies. I was surprised at how good The Suicide Squad was, which yeah, I probably should not have been.
1: I, we've talked about this on the show before, too, that it, you know how most of these big superhero blockbusters to get access to the military let the pentagon look at the script and change things so that they can i mean this is the old michael bay formula but you basically jerk off onto an american flag and you oh generals and, and jets are the best thing ever the suicide squad by by James Gunn is the first movie that I can say absolutely positively did not have Pentagon approval
2: because
1: <laughs> the villain of that movie is American foreign policy. And it's just it's not an evil general. Uh, it's not just Amanda Waller. The whole fucking government is just evil. And doesn't care if you live or die will murder people all over the world for their own ends and gladly walk away while a giant kaiju starfish eats them because (laughs) that country doesn't like the united states i think the president would be okay with the giant starfish monster stomping not
2: not just a giant starfish kaiju a giant starfish kaiju that was very happily hanging out in the depths of space did not come here to do anything was brought here against its will and tortured for decades and is now justifiably pissed off about it.
1: Yeah. That starfish Kaiju is a better person than Amanda Waller. That is the thing that just, is more sympathetic than the U S government. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I get it. Maybe give him a couple blocks that he can
2: stomp. <laughs> I, and keep- I'm, I am earnestly looking forward to the, uh, What's his name? Peacemaker? Peacemaker. Yeah. John Cena series on HBO.
1: Yeah. It, it, also, that was something that wouldn't exist without the pandemic because James Gunn was stuck in his house and wrote a miniseries. Uh, yeah, It. it just seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. And it seems like. It seems like the John Cena Peacemaker is the John Walker that I don't think Falcon and the Winter Soldier had the balls to make because of the Pentagon inclusion. Hmm, Boy, this guy really, This guy really is MAGA America's superhero. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he yeah. is a walking fucking yep. war crime. <laughs> oh, just the scene with him going through the rebel camp. His rivalry with Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport, as they just murder these guys... And who basically, are
2: legitimately the good guys of the movie. They, that they kill up.
1: like 20 people that are the good guys. And it's only a, uh-oh, kind of moment, including one with John Cena just hacks this guy with an ax while he's in a sleeping bag. <laughs> it's a Jason Voorhees <laughs> kill. And it's it's so wonderfully fucked up. But yeah, it's a, it's a movie that is just, you know, this is a hard thing is I think when you make a big budget franchise film. There really is a sense of selling a product that the people who own this studio and these characters put, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into making this movie and promoting it. So it better be a movie for everybody. And this movie is just so gleefully fucked up. And I'm shocked. And then, and also just kind of embraces how weird it would be to live in a superhero universe where somebody who's dressed like a bag of wonder bread can fire corrosive colored dots at people. <laughs> that, and it's easier for him to kill if he imagines there is mother. And it's just, <laughs> it's and weirdly wholesome at times. And I'm just going to say it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. it feels was like
0: they got away with something. One of those types of
1: movies, suicide squad, number eight on oh, my list. Nice. So it made nice. the top 10. That's the only superhero movie I think in the top half of my list.
2: Oh, How did you feel about the new Matrix?
1: Here's the weird thing, and I'm 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 ashamed because this is my first I'm an old man admission, and I don't feel good about this. I hadn't gotten a lot of sleep. (laughs) I fell asleep asleep in the Matrix, so I couldn't really do it. I I woke up. (laughs) How can you sleep through a fucking Wachowski movie? These things are spectacle, beautiful, weird spectacle. I fell asleep and I would wake up in parts of the movie. So I was confused by what was happening and who was who. (laughs) And I liked parts of it and didn't like other parts of it, but I don't think I can talk about it fairly because I haven't seen the whole thing. And I don't know, maybe I fell asleep because we only had one Wachowski working on this movie. We're we're pulling it half Wachowski. It it had the virtue of
0: bringing back most of the people that you would want. I would have wanted a Larry Fish. Um, The... The. You're right. There's some piece of it that was missing. I love the idea that part of it was a very much a nod to. Like why? Why do we even do reboots? Because I mean, there's a there's a there's a snarky thing about Warner made us our parent company Warner made us. Do that's this. a part of the plot. Is yes. like you bring back the Matrix or we will. I'm 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 happy about that. I I'm also yeah. happy about the idea that there's a chorus of people going. This is what the Matrix means, and this is what the Matrix means, and this is what the Matrix means. Because my God, how many how many college douche bros uh, wrote fucking philo- Nazis have embraced imagery papers. from the Matrix. Right. Right. Uh, I, unfortunately, I think that when it, and I, and I thought that there were some parts about the, um, their little conceit of how they sort of carried on the story I thought were good. I, I, I said on the discord that the best, my best part about this mirrored my best part of Tron legacy. So in Tron legacy. There is the isomor- isomorphs or something like there is a background thing yep. about isomorphs th- the the background thing about these people this life that has emerged spontaneously out of the pro uh, in in the computer world that Jeff Bridges character makes befriends and then the evil Jeff Bridges character like does genocide on them essentially and I was like well that's the most interesting thing of the of this movie that you just threw away you, you showed it in a flashback and then you threw it away and I thought the most interesting thing about this movie was you have a Zion past all of the war um, and elements of the machine world have come to a ally with the with the humans and they're attempting to reconstruct society. And I'm like, I really love it when there is a movie that has at its root the trope of uh, like civilization ending apocalypse. But when there's a repair, when there are characters that are truly good um, and not only that, but uh, the enemy that are in the in this movie, just like merciless. The machines that are willing to just abandon the earth entirely because there are willings of existence we are what is it they are willing there levels, levels of, of existence, existence we're willing to accept yes we're willing to accept and in this you have robots who are helping to grow f- f- food and the only based on dna that had survived from the matrix in the real world and i'm like that's beautiful there's something that's amazing about that and then it Kind of d- takes a dive, unfortunately, takes a dump. And I think it wastes how good ju- uh, how good Keanu Reeves is. You don't get those moments where he gets to be the fucking awesome martial arts badass. He's mostly doing it, force pushes through the rest of the movie.
2: It wastes how good Carrie Ann Moss is. That is also When she true. is damseled throughout the vast majority of the film.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, they clearly are trying to... They clearly are making a trans allegory about... The, about uh you know the wachowskis their own transition because uh by the end of the movie and spoilers for this movie you should not shouldn't even be this far in um uh she's the one trinity is the one by the end of it so the one has sort of changed its gender and its focus and i think that i thought that was awesome i like that i like that part of it i kind of remember
1: that you you didn't (laughs) you
0: didn't end up seeing it there are elements that uh, i really ended up liking and then there is a lot of the that Crazy visual splendor that the first two movies and to a lesser extent the third movie created that was almost totally absent from this movie. That I was like, oh, I missed that part. Do you of think
1: it was the the missing of of Lily Wachowski because again we're operating on half Wachowski?
0: It could be, or it could be the the absence of uh Yuan Wu Ping, the the martial arts choreographer who is not on the. I don't I don't even know if he's still alive. Um, but he does not work on this one either.
2: So there there was a lot that was missing from this movie and i think that it was damaged by the fact that the first act was apologizing for yes. the rest of the movie existing <laughs> yes and there were some was. there were some really brilliant ideas there that were just simply not explored
1: there's a lot of visuals in it that were really kind of cool but it, the again i feel i feel so unqualified it's why i didn't put it on my list because i don't feel i saw enough to judge it fairly but it doesn't feel like it went as big as a lot of The other ones, because if there's one thing I can say about the Wachowskis, it's that they love philosophy and anime (laughs) and it doesn't. (laughs) Yes, it doesn't feel like it quite went crazy big enough. I mean, there's some there's some superpower stuff at the end, which is really kind of cool. But it it feels like, you know, slowly you see the birth of like somebody becoming like a Dragon Ball Z character throughout the first uh, Matrix trilogy, and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like it quite went there. Like this wanted to be a smaller, quieter movie to be more philosophical, and I, I actually really respect that. Um, I just wish that I remember more of it because I was asleep <laughs> parts of this movie, and I feel so fucking guilty. It's oh. why I feel like a moron talking <laughs> right now.
2: But um, Go, going back to what I was saying in the episode on the Green Knight um, about the what happens when you make something a system and something that you can be understood and and chopped into pieces and made part of a system is that it loses that sense of magic and of wonder. And I think the thing that really worked in the first Matrix movie was this idea that Keanu Reeves was seeing past the reality of the Matrix to see it for the code that it is and something that he can manipulate and understand and control on even a subconscious level. And even from the, the first sequel and even and continuing into this one, they change that to the, him unlocking cheat codes like, oh, yeah, I have force push now and I can do that. And that's a thing. And it utterly misses the point that he is something out of place in the Matrix and that he can meld and shape reality on a whim. And that is something that should be very deeply terrifying to everyone mm-hmm. that there's a dude out there who can just r- alter reality with his mind.
1: He's a, he's a computer wizard.
0: <laughs> and- yeah. It, it is the, it's got the, uh, I'll say the same thing as the Highlander series. There should be only one. If there, if the last thing you yes. saw of the matrix was, was a shot from 20,000 feet in the air and then hearing Neo going <laughs> flying up in the air, which is something you didn't know he could do. That would have been the be- most beautiful way to end our perception of that entire world. I don't hate the second and third Matrix I don't, movies. I don't hate the I don't th- second love them. the third movie, but I hate the I, think they, I don't hate the second movie, but I hate the third movie. They
1: lose a little something, but I, I think there's still a lot of love in it. That the Wachowskis had for giant, crazy spectacle and martial arts movies. That's all over those movies. And I remember, I think for a, like our generation specifically, if we didn't watch a lot of Hong Kong cinema or we came to it later, because it wasn't readily available in 1999 the way it is now. Right. But- that would have been the first time we would have seen a lot of wire work. It would have been the first time we would have seen a lot of crazy, you know, mind-bendy, philosophical craziness that you probably would have seen in a lot of anime. And the Wachowskis were the people who introduced us to that. Yeah, And yep. I will say, I again... I don't hate the, the sequel trilogy, because I, or the, not the sequel trilogy, <laughs> I guess the two, the second and third movies, yeah. I don't know how you sort of describe that made them together, but I kind of like them, but they're not as good as the first one. The first one is just such a perfect standalone movie.
2: Yes. Speaking correct.
1: of which, did you see the interview that Keanu did fairly recently, where he talked about going to dinner at a friend's house, and their kids were teenagers who had never heard of The Matrix before? no no. so Keanu was asked to explain the movie and he was describing the movie to these teenagers who had never seen The Matrix and saying oh he's this guy who suddenly realizes that he's in a fake world and they didn't understand why that was a big deal <laughs> <laughs> they just they don't they like who cares if the world is real or not and and uh, the interviewer is like what did you say to that and he's like and Keanu just smiles and just I think it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> Man, I,
2: that's that's crazy
1: it's weird cuz i i've talked about this before on the it, podcast it's also
0: that also probably is, a, is uh, belies how much the matrix has just rolled forward into culture and yeah. no doubt those kids had grown up seeing so many things that had elements of visual and audio and thematic things from the matrix have just rolled into everything but I
1: mean if you could live in a world that it's constantly 1999 and I can do like computer ninja stuff <laughs> and in a moment I can learn how to fly a helicopter why wouldn't I look Look at the fucking window man we're in two years of a pandemic and it just feels like everything is constantly on fire god damn plug me in agent Smith I will definitely eat that steak that I know is fake <laughs> Let, make me somebody important like an actor <laughs> I mean seriously how can you not <laughs> take that deal. I mean, I, I, I've I been upfront about this on the podcast about the theory that, you know, you're more likely to be in a simulation in the real thing. And I'm like, fucking plug me in. <laughs> because even if I'm just a, a, an algorithm that's existing as an AI on some server somewhere, and I'm in a fake world, I'd say thank fucking God, because it makes everything in the world so much easier to fix. I can put in a line of code and fix climate but, change. But Mike. I could be a fucking wizard, man. But Mike,
0: that's why people are theists too. <laughs> they feel like they can get a cheat code from the higher from the higher power too. So oh, it's the same idea.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I but I can't. I can't meet Peter Falk. I could, I could resurrect him <laughs> yeah. if we're in the matrix. We could well, get more Colombo,
2: man. <laughs> I think that that asks a very fundamental question about the nature of reality, which is, is it more comforting that nobody is in control of reality? Because if somebody was, it means that everything is awful and that was an intentional choice.
1: Yeah. But it also means we can make that choice again. I can control the world. I have a greater sense of agency in a fake world. But what if you're but this is the thing with the simulation is
0: if we are in a simulation and we apparently don't have tools to change it, what's the difference and what's the difference then believing in the idea of a simulation having a creator of ancestors or aliens or whoever else is just like believing that there is a god. And they don't answer my prayers, <laughs> so I'm forced to believe that we're yeah. It's a, it's a it could be a Euthyphro's dilemma thing, or it could just be like a, hey, it's just like this.
1: But it feels like it's fixable. It feel the 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 amount of power that I would need to start rolling back climate change in this world right now. It, you see all these people, everyone who has the, the power to make real change is unwilling because they're profiting from the shitty way the system works. That it's not a question of things being broken. Things are working exactly as they are, and under the capitalist system, you're not going to jump off of the profitable thing until it stops being profitable to the next thing, and you're going to start selling boats to all the people on coasts that are underwater. Yep. And that's, that's the kind of bullshit thing. But if I could put in a line of code, if a bunch of hackers could fix the fucking world and suddenly just transform all All of the shit that we pump into the water and shut that we pump into the air into just healthy, clean air and water. We could get rid of the Pacific garbage patch. We could make Jeff Bezos disappear because he's just a line of code.
0: (laughs) Mike, that's a wonderful fantasy. I know, but I'm saying, (laughs)
1: wouldn't you rather be a, a, I mean, and then saying we get back to that question about, you know, whether, you know, Deckard is a replicant. It doesn't matter if I'm a robot. I'm still a person because I know I'm a person.
2: The the question is, do you have agency? And of course, you want to have agency. Mm-hmm.
1: But I think I'd have a greater power of control over you know, or the potential of control in a world like that. I could shoot fire out of my hands and be immortal. You but know, you,
2: but but if in that in that order, no. Yeah.
1: But yeah. <laughs> I want to be immortal first, and course the in case the fire goes bad. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> but I mean, you, oh. could, you could just. End disease. You could do so much in a world like that. You know, fuck Agent Smith and his whole... We wouldn't accept anything if it wasn't, you know... Shit, And we weren't digging through that. Like that poor motherfucker at the end of the matrix who agent Smith jumps into. He's a fucking homeless man in a fake world. He's in the same goo tube as anyone else. (laughs) But the fucking algorithm chose him to be a homeless man. And now he has to fight the fucking computer Messiah. And he's going to get killed at the end. And he had no fucking choice in this. That sucks for that guy. But I mean, we can fix it. He doesn't have to be a homeless guy. (laughs) We can. You don't have to this shit there's enough i mean there's enough for everyone in the real world let alone in the computer world but you can just do what you do in the sims and give yourself extra money it's just fuck man
2: Yeah, right. i mean that that's really the most horrifying thing about the reality that we live in this capitalist fucking hellscape is the moment that you realize that all of it is a choice yeah
1: and it's like the it's like so fucked up because as you have these people who rather than saying hey all of this shit is made up and we can just make up new shit instead go hey what if we make up even more made up shit and that's where you get things like nfts and <laughs> cryptocurrency oh, it's like i know all money's made up but some money is way more made up than others
0: <laughs> radio versus the martians is hosted by mike gillis and casey doran this podcast is recorded in beautiful Valverde in seattle washington Our chief engineer is Casey Dorn, and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music is written and performed by James Wetzel. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobiah Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Todd Maxfield-Matsumoto. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And you can always find us online at radioversusthemartians.com. I was having dinner at a friend's house, this director, and he had some kids and there was like a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, and the uh, they hadn't seen the film The Matrix. And so the director's like, well, why don't you just tell them what it's about? So I start to say, well, there's this guy who's in a kind of virtual world and he finds out that there's a real world. and..." He's really questioning what's real and not real, and he really wants to know what's real. And the young girl was like,
2: why? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, who cares if it's real? Mm. And I was like, what, you you don't care if it's real? And she was like, no.
1: Isn't that wild? It's awesome.